On today's Stuck In, unfortunately, tragedy in our sport this past weekend, and I'm not talking about the United performance in the Manchester Derby, so we have to kick things off on a bit of a somber note and lament the fact that these event organizers and facility managers just cannot get their shit together. And obviously, since the entire Indonesian police force and Cola Cola groundskeepers listen to this pod, it might actually affect some change. Anyway, uh, we've got more ground to cover than Bruno Fernandez's heat map of him chasing down the referee to complain, even while the game is going on. So, without further ado, let's get stuck in. in a Farmers League soccer podcast. Today is Monday, October 3rd, 2022, and H is for hat trick. Uh, a running theme all weekend, a hat trick of derbies in the Premier League, uh, plenty of actual hat tricks, uh, and what could have been a hat trick of hat tricks in one game that's obviously going to be the centerpiece of our pod today, or uh, Jared, maybe even a double hand bone. Um, and we're going to have a lot of fun with the pod today. Uh, but also, obviously, uh, some very somber news. I think everyone's aware of it by this point. Um, but yeah, again, as the you know best soccer podcast in the history of the world, uh, we have to cover this stuff. Uh, and we want to get this news uh, sort of out in front in our topic section here. Uh, and as they say, tragedies happen in threes. And we pray there isn't a hat trick of these. But um, yeah, Jared, let's, let's just go ahead and start the pod off. Uh, on this melancholy note with the, quote, riot in Indonesia uh, and as well as uh, the stadium collapse in Chile. Just terrible, terrible tragedies, man. Yeah. And, and I think uh, the worst part is that, you know, when, when you read the article about the Indonesia thing and specifically, it, it's it's incredible how easily you can just, you know, it, it seems like it's the same article just instead of, you know, Paris or, uh, you know, uh, mm. Liverpool or Highbury, you know, or High, Hillsborough, I should say. Hillsborough, yeah. It's the same, it's the same kind of sounding thing. And here, you know, we have a situation where, you know, again, depending on what side of the story you kind of want to believe, it seems like there might have been some uh, misbehavior by fans, but certainly not the type of misbehavior that necessitates, you know, things like tear gas and and other, you know, where, where the, the, the police seem to take a bad situation and make it even worse. And then, of course, once the tear gas starts, all bets are off and uh, in a place where, you know, infrastructure is not, you know, the best that you can find, it's it's. I should say, in a in the worst possible way, it's not necessarily a surprise that something like this could happen once the tear gas happens. 
Yeah, exactly. Um, and, and we can spend a bit of time on this, but just rewinding a bit uh, uh, to give some context and information to any uh, of the traveling supporters who may have not heard about this or don't know everything. And by the way, I don't think anyone can profess to know everything. I think we have to take all this information, especially the stuff you're getting from the police with a grain of salt or at least with a healthy dose of skepticism, because, you know, it's kind of like a lot of a, a lot of mixed reports and um, uh, obviously police covering stuff up. You mentioned Hillsborough. Um, I'm not accusing them necessarily of doing that, but uh, we've seen it before and we might see it again. Uh, but yeah, basically uh, two, uh, two of, big, uh, of Indonesia's biggest soccer teams, uh, Arema FC uh, and their rival Persebaya Surabaya uh, playing a game in, in Java. Um, the home team, Arema, uh, loses 3-2. Uh, yes, like you said, maybe some naughty behavior from the fans. Uh, apparently they, you know, quote unquote, invaded the pitch or, you know, started to spill out onto the field. Um, and yes, uh, apparently the police uh, just responded straight away by firing tear gas, um, which then caused, you know, the obvious panic. You know, you can't breathe. Your eyes are watering. It's insane. I don't know if you've had, Jared, have you ever actually experienced tear gas? I have. I have not. So I cannot speak to how miserable experience it, it is, though I suspect it's it's quite Dude, it's it's insane. So uh, you might remember back in the day, uh, Maryland basketball, uh, we used to literally just riot for everything like we'd beat, you know, NC State in a conference game. And it's like, all right, spill out onto Route 1. Uh, Half joking, but half serious. Like when we beat Duke, I mean, it was just full fledged riots out in the street. And I remember the police came out. I literally got bit on the head by a horse. Uh, and the, yeah, the riot police started to to spray the, the, the tear gas. And it like, dude, the second it hits you, it it sends your body like into this physiological, um, just like involuntary reaction. And it's immediately so uncomfortable, so painful. And all you can think about is running the other way. And that's my way of segueing into what apparently actually happened, which was uh, everyone just felt this tear gas and they felt that same uh, physiological reaction. They felt that same fight or flight uh, reaction and just started running for the exits um, and of course, uh, that therein lies the tragedy uh, because a human crush happened and it looks as if uh, at least 125 people are dead, uh, many, many more injured. Uh, th- there were some reports, Jared, about like double counting bodies or who knows, you know, what numbers are accurate or whatever. But I mean, the bottom line is this is going to go down as one of the, the worst stadium disasters of all time. Yeah. And I, and I think the trouble is, again, we talked about a little bit about um, <clears throat> the fans possibly precipitating some of this and you know and i think the worst part is is that you know it looks like some of the the, the tear gas was a response to fans doing things outside the stadium and the problem with that is that you know when they when they shot the tear gas they might have been shooting it at people outside the stadium though again we're, we're unclear mm-hmm. but it looks like it went into the stadium and now not only are people uh, as you said experiencing that, that physical reaction and that uh, what I have to imagine is a terrifying situation. Yeah. There's truly nowhere to go because your normal instinct would be to go outside the stadium. But that is apparently where it came from. And mm. now you can't necessarily go. So you probably have people running in every direction, running into each other. You know, once you just chaos, chaos, pure chaos. It's, right. It's absolutely yeah. chaos. It's I mean, to, to not use the term loosely, but it be, be very quickly becomes a war zone situation, especially yeah. for a civilian who has no comprehension of, of how to handle this situation. Um, Again, what do they say, Jared, like the fog of war, like you literally lose all sense of uh, direction and orientation. It's just a loss of sense making. Right. That happens. And that happens with trained soldiers. So you can only imagine a, an eight year old child or yeah, a yeah. pregnant mother or, or you know, just a 75 year old man. Or There's all these different demographics of people that yeah. have no 
way to to have people with disabilities right physical Anything, mental, yeah, no, all way that, to, no way to prepare for that no way to handle that and as you know as we already said there, i mean there's not really much more to say about it especially until um you know we hear the the police report which i'm sure is going to be a hundred percent accurate with no inconsistencies or exaggerations or you know falsities at all uh, but, i mean you know all we can hope is that anybody who's currently still injured uh you know does you know does make a recovery does you know heal from this and, and that we the body count doesn't keep going up because you know 125 175 whatever that number is god i, I just hope it doesn't go any higher nope agree 100 percent, jared and, and not to go too far off on that tangent but you know there is something to be said uh and, and a common theme that's emerged from all of these things, whether it's the, you know, the Champions League final or right, like you said, insert country here or insert police force here is just like and, and, and again, you can even extrapolate it to just like policing in general. Uh, and we don't have to get into like gun violence and shooting, you know, black and brown people by police and all that stuff, which is obviously a huge issue. But you just see across the board in all of these things like a, a, an obscene lack of preparedness and training from these forces and i'm not exculpating them like whatsoever but it's sort of like if you chuck these guys in there these guys and gals and put them in fucking riot gear and equip them with you know almost military grade weapons some of them without the training it's it's almost like what do you think is going to happen they're just so inadequately prepared to handle this stuff yeah. And, and there is something to be said for, you know, we talk about fear and it's very easy for the police to also be scared in this situation. Right. These are, again, not military veterans, yeah. certainly not all of them anyway. And, and, you know, again, it's a normal human reaction. There are thousands of people coming near you. They're, they're you know, apparently setting police vehicles on fire They're whatever. And, and you're correct. I, I don't think we could, we totally want to say, hey, bad cops, good fans or, or whatever. Right. Right. But yeah, it is. I, I, you can't necessarily blame them. And, and again, FIFA has a um, has not, not a mandate per se, but a strong suggestion that there's never tear gas at a stadium because they, they I mean, as, as much as we like to rag on FIFA for this stuff, even they're like, hey, you yeah, know, yeah. tear gas in a place with like 50,000 people or however many thousand people that might turn. It's just recipe for disaster. Right. It, it, you're just you, you, like, there has to be another way. And then I guess credit to FIFA for saying, you know, and I understand FIFA can't make every rule, but maybe there is a way FIFA can say, hey, look, we, you can't, you cannot do, use tear gas as a, as a policing agent in this situation. I don't know really what power they actually have. Mm -hmm. uh, as I said, they've suggested it, but, you know, hopefully in some way we, the, the global community can come together and be like, Hey, can we figure out a way not to have certain, uh, certain weapons, you know, in, in these situations to make a bad situation worse? Yes. And better training for these folks. Cause uh, yeah, we just can't have this happen again. Our, our hearts obviously go out to all those affected, uh, those who lost their lives and injured. And, and you know, everyone's going to like know someone who knows someone at the very least, you know, type of thing. And it, it's just a, a trauma, definitely a trauma there. So uh, we wish, you know, uh, the best as possibly can uh, for all those people. Um, and then, yeah, the second event, uh, which again, you know, just an absolute shame. And, and uh, it, it could have been way worse, um, you know, uh, not quote unquote as, as bad as the one in Indonesia. Um, but still, you just sit there and say, like, Jesus fucking Christ, especially, Jared, because like the 
quote unquote riot in Indonesia. Um, there's firsthand evidence of it. There's video of it. Uh, but but yeah, it, uh, go to Chile and um, in a not even a game, but this was like an open training session um, for uh, in uh, uh, the Estadio Monumental in Santiago, uh, the Chilean club uh, Colo Colo uh, hosted an open training session. And it, it did look like a game, though. I mean, fans are full throated. They're waving the flags, banging on the drums. Um, but then just like out of nowhere, like the top tier of the bleachers uh, just collapsed. And Jared, this one could have been way worse. I think we're getting the numbers on this one. Um, but it, as far as I can tell, no deaths yet. Just a couple of injuries, but no deaths somehow. Yeah, and that's certainly the story so far. Uh, you know, and and I think this one is um, a little bit more clear in terms of why it happened and how it happened. Uh, you know, again, not not a defense of anyone, but you know, there's some advertising boards and, and kind of structures up in the stadium, yeah. uh, which is of course not surprising. Uh, certainly, structures that are not meant to be, you know, not not meant to support human weight. It's certainly in large numbers and a lot of fans kind of, you know, being in places where they're really not supposed to be. Mm. Like certainly argue against, uh, you know, maybe having a, a better security situation there. But this one is, was not a was not a fan violence situation or a fight or anything like that. Just fans being in a place that they really shouldn't have been um, and, and causing a, you know, a, a weight sustainable. Uh, as you said, the whole system kind of, you know, the whole situation goes south, literally. And uh, again, fortunately, it seems that the that the number of people injured are, are only a handful. As of last story, we, you know, we saw so still a couple of days ago. So, I mean, it's, you know, we don't know for sure. But uh, fortunately, I, I think as we can say, that, that is the situation in Indonesia was like, very lucky in this one that it looks like we don't have, uh, uh, you know, a, a body count associated with this one. Yes. Uh, and all you can say is organizers, facility staff, police forces. Let's just, let's just get our shit together here. OK, we can't have this garbage. And by the way, I don't know if you just heard that, but uh, talk about stuff happening in threes uh, and, and not to make light of it or diminish it, obviously, but literally a screw from my desk just like fell out. Uh, so I might be the third one in the in this hat trick of uh, like my desk is going to collapse in the middle of this episode. Uh, but anyways, I'm, I'm trying to make a, a light transition here to what is going to be. Uh, a very, very fun pod. Uh, Jared, anything else to add on that? Or can we kind of just leave that there? No, again, I hope that there are no further deaths or injuries in these situations. And and again, let's call on everyone, whether it's fans, uh, as you said, security, organizers, everything, just to try and, try and do this safely, please, because it's it's kind of cool to go to a soccer game or practice and it's even better to come home safely. Yes, sir. hundred percent. hundred percent. All right. Um, well, yeah, let, let's go ahead and uh, transition over to some of the good stuff. And 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 yeah, I, <laughs> there's just no other way. Uh, it, you know, before obviously all that news came out, there was going to be no other way to start this pod. Uh, then, of course, uh, our most favorite thing in the entire world, um, uh, just ragging on Manchester United. Uh, obviously, everyone watched the game this weekend. We're going to cover that plus all the other Premier League actions, tons of domestic league action. Also, uh, also a random like transfer news as well. Jared, like Chelsea already claiming Nkunku for like next summer. Uh, I didn't really know where to put that in. Uh, but yeah, th- there lots to talk about here. And we can chuck that in when we talk about Chelsea uh, and their their last grass point against Palace. But but yeah, let, let's just kick it off with the Derby. A nine goal affair. Uh, United were seeing ghosts. Uh, just could not LOL enough. At this game, uh, I, I just don't, yeah, like, I don't even know really where to start. Let, let's just kind of go with, like, the lineup and the tactics. Um, 
obviously with with United, the players missing uh, Ronaldo, we get that because of like previous explanations. And we will get to why he didn't make any appearance whatsoever. Uh, Ten Hag's explanation on that is hilarious. Um, but like and obviously Harry Maguire, we get that, you know, he's just not a starter for that team anymore. Um, but like Casemiro, like on the bench to start this game, no changes to that that lineup uh, from before the international break. I, like and the tactics, I just didn't understand it. And, and I'll start it off real quick. Sorry if I'm going on a soliloquy here, but. But basically, like when you play a team like Manchester City, right? I think you ha- your tactics have to be extreme one way or the other, and it's it is a bit of like pick your poison type of thing. But like you have to do one extreme or the other: either double park the fucking bus in front of the goal and hope against hope that you survive, pretty much, or you need to press up high on the pitch and very very aggressively. And obviously, like both of those things have flaws, but like at least you kind of stand a chance. But when you don't do one or the other, like something in between, which is what United did, you legitimately have no chance whatsoever. And that's what United did. They just they were stuck between two minds. Like some guys were pressing up up, up on the pitch. Some dudes were just sitting back. The midfield was wide open. And against a team like City, you just yeah, you just have no fucking chance. I don't know, Jared, did, did that make sense to you at all? I mean, my, my 30,000 foot view of this, even when it was happening, was kind of like, I think that Ten Hag was uh, scared. I don't think is the right word, but I think what he was was that is that we they they've had this lineup right for where they won four in a row. They've kind of kept the same guys as much as they could in the lineup, and I think that his his biggest fear was was changing the lineup and getting killed by City, and then having to try and explain oh, why he yeah. changed the lineup that won four games in a row. I mean, that's, that's again, that's not based on uh, necessarily anything he said, or just kind of my intuition about kind of what happened. He goes, hey, look, this lineup's won four games in a row, has yeah. a lot of confidence, even though there was the international break in there and all the other breaks, but like this, this lineup has been working, and so we're going to try this against, you know, this team, and it's working, it's worked against those teams, so maybe it can put up a fight. And, and to your point, Obviously, that that was that was a, a massive misstep, and and it was I you I I don't know how you could have thought it was going to work, but I do wonder if part of that was let's say he changes the lineup and and Casemiro starts and he puts Ronaldo in or whatever the you know whatever your preferred lineup is, and they still ship four goals. Then every question is why did you change the lineup that's worked for four games? Why did you start Ronaldo when he? Can? So you know I think he kind of kind of just kind of ducked and prayed, and and it did not work in his favor. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, to say the least. Um, but that, that's just I, I see where you're coming from. But I just can't imagine for a guy who's got like sociopathic levels of like not giving a fuck about what other people think. Like, I mean, just benching Ronaldo in and of itself. I mean, that is a fucking ballsy move, like the ballsiest move. And he has no problem doing that. So like it doesn't translate to me that like he's got no problem doing that and facing the backlash from that. But then he doesn't have the courage to like change the lineup and face the backlash from that. You know what I mean? No, I mean, you make a very good point. That's just the only thing I can think of that. Makes yeah. It- yeah. Okay. You're, you're trying, you're not an apologist for him. You're just trying to like see it from his perspective. I mean, that's and, the, and that's the only thing. That's the only thing I could think of when I saw it. I like immediately. I was, and to, and in the, the broader sense of, you know, you did pay 40, 50, whatever it was for Casemiro. If this isn't the game you're starting him in, then why did you do that? Uh, like that, I mean, just logically, right? I know. And the only they, thing you can think of is, well, this other thing has been working. It's the only thing I can wrap my wrap my head around uh, as a potential answer. And, and uh, you know, obviously, it, it became evident pretty much from the opening kickoff that it was not the correct one. 
Yeah, yeah. And, and especially because, you know, like they're, they're not going to bunker down and double park the bus Manchester United. So they are going to press. Ten Hag likes that. Right. But so. So. Right. So why not Casemiro in that position? Right. To uh, to allow for Ericsson to press higher. Right. Now you've got two eights instead of, a you know, just a center attacking mid, especially when it's Bruno fucking Fernandez. You know, that guy's not going to put in the defensive effort. Right. Or at least as much as, you know, two guys would do or, or any other single you know player, whatever. Um, so. so like why not do that uh i, I don't know I, i'm just it just seemed like some obvious stuff that he could have done to at least given them a chance uh but he didn't um and yeah manchester city just made them pay i mean let's just let's just go down the line here foden kicks it off in the eighth minute uh he'll get another two obviously uh erling holland uh with the other hat trick there um anthony you know gets a, a consolation goal and then obviously martial later on yeah and, and it's going to be hilarious right because here our city you know, who absolutely destroy their Derby rival. And you just know, like, Pep is pissed off in the locker room. You just know the players are, like, not satisfied enough because they, they shut off and they allowed for these two Martial goals at the end. But obviously it was super comfortable. Um, but, yeah, Anthony pretty much getting that consolation goal, which is such a shame, Jared, because that's the type of goal. And it was a fantastic goal that, like, wins Derbys and makes you a hero. And especially the new guy who's been here for, you know, a, a, a cup of tea or whatever, uh, he, like, he would immediately have ingratiated himself to the united fan base um but it was literally just one of those where like you know you scored it yep head down just get the ball out the net and like you know it, we don't stand a chance it yeah, was like, a shame on that. nice goal as it was it was still like the like third or fourth nicest goal in the game on top of it right yeah. Like, <laughs> um yeah no you you want to score that you, that needs to be like the game winner so you can like make out with the badge like on this on a shirt for like 25 minutes in the corner like yeah just kind of, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah something like that uh, because he's been at United his whole life, you know? Yeah, and, and by the way, the last thing on 10, like, and it's, as a soccer manager, it's got to be the most horrifying thing when you realize in five minutes that you've just made, like, the, the worst mistake in the world, and there's really not a way to change it. Like, unlike, like, you know, other sports where it's like if you're in the NBA or the NHL or in the NFL and you're like, oh, shit, like, this was a mistake. I can change this on the fly, right? Like, you mm. can't do that in, 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 in football. And, and as soon as that first goal, as you said, by Foden goes in, you just got to think, he just got to be sitting to himself going, oh, oh, shit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, like, please, like he, he must be sitting there in the 10th minute just being like, God, can Holland please stump it, like, stub his toe and come out? Because it's the only way this isn't going to end in an absolute, like, horrible, horrible way. Yeah, well, he didn't and got his uh, third hat trick, not first, not second, but third hat trick. And, and Jared, we could go. I, I don't know if you have the stats. Uh, There's a million of them. I don't even know. Like, I wouldn't even know where to begin. I, I think the one that that got me the most was just the, um, you know, he has his third hat trick in eight Premier League matches. And the record before that was 48 matches by Michael. Owen. Michael Owen. Yeah. Like, yeah. Just the just on a percentage basis. I think just the the raw obliteration of that mark is is probably the number one in my book but certainly uh there's there's enough to go around yeah uh hat tip to uh, uh totally football weekly i listened to it on my run this morning uh their stat was holland has as many hat tricks this year as wolves have total goals <laughs> like <laughs> and by the way, and by the way, that assist he had on the second Foden goal, the one right before halftime, mm. uh, if that if that pass is not a one off, then it's even scarier than I thought, because that pass was absolutely abs like that's a De Bruyne pass. De Bruyne, right? yes. De Bruyne hits and you're like, oh, yeah, De Bruyne is like one of five guys who can do that. Well, if Holland can hit that pass with like any regularity, uh, it's it's over. Like, he, yeah. and he's just he's playing primarily football on like amateur mode on FIFA, like, like and everyone else playing him is on ultimate. It's It's not it's just not a fair fight. 
Yeah, and, and here's my mind-blown moment about Holland. And again, we, we've said it before. We'll say it again. It's, like, impossible just to describe this guy. He's clearly just a fucking Norse god. Like, he's Thanos. He, we get it. Okay, like, a, a, a man amongst boys, a god amongst men. Um, the, the way that the ball comes off of his foot, like, remember, obviously, the incredible, like, flying back scissor kick uh, a couple weeks back. And then this one, just getting on the end of the cross, I think, was it for his first or second one? I, I, I don't remember. The the ball comes off of his foot like faster with more speed than when it was played to him. So he like generates energy. Is he just like a ball of footballing energy that he then like transfers over to the soccer ball and, and causes it to like, or is he like a magnet or something? Like, I, I don't know how it works, but like he he's, he's not even, it, it's not even one of those where he winds up and like, you know, puts his foot through it. Uh, it, it's, it, he literally just sticks his foot out and generates power somehow. Like, like I don't know, that, that was just mind blowing to me. Like it's rubber almost. And it, like, it just like, it just somehow cushions it and sends it up. I mean, if you remember when, when after the pandemic in that first season, uh, you know, when the champions league and such were behind doors, I mean, he scored a couple goals in the champions league where they had the, you know, the microphones in the net and everything like that. And just the sound it makes sometimes when it comes yeah. off, but there was that one, I think it was against PSG, um, the, you know, the one from like the outside of the box or whatever, where he hit the ball and it sounded like a baseball bat hitting a baseball. Like that, yeah. that wouldn't crack when a yeah. ball is about to travel like 400 feet at 100 miles an hour. And like he generates that kind of power. And, and, and for, for a guy that's as tall and as strong and as physical to be that like coordinated and balanced and, and just it's it's everything it's it, there's you know we talked about we've talked about Messi being like the alien right Juan's yeah. uh, an alien like it, it does his body doesn't make sense as much as Ronaldo's big and strong and, and, and everything else his Juan's bo body just doesn't it doesn't make human sense the way he controls it and the way he has he can he can you know hold a defender off with one arm while he controls the rest of his body perfectly it, it doesn't make sense and as you said the power and the pace and and just everything about it it just you just watch it with your jaw on the floor because it, it you, you've never seen anything like it yeah I, I, like i was thinking as you were talking it, it's like an anime character or, or like like a wizard in fucking lord of the rings where like someone throws their magic attack at you and you just like grab it and hold it and then just like generate 10x like power it, like it, it, there's just no end of the way that you could like hyperbolize about this guy it, it's just yes alien uh from outer space and uh before we you know go off <laughs> we could just probably talk about him forever um but let, let's finish up on the game here uh yeah. Can we just say a quick word about uh, Ten Hag and his quote after the game? Uh, Ronaldo missed the game due to respect, uh, which basically the subtext there is, uh, you know, this was an embarrassment uh, and I didn't want to subject him to this embarrassment uh, because of his CV, I think was what he said, uh, pretty much. So so what, what's how do you extrapolate that one, Jared? Like if you're, a, a, you know, a teammate of Ronaldo's, it's like, well, I was worth subjecting that, to the embarrassment, but not him. <laughs> that's the to me, that's the really the only look, the results not great, but City does this. I don't even think the results embarrassing the United as much as we like to have the laugh. This shit happens like the four nothing against Brentford or whatever is so much worse than than this. This is right. This is this happens. The quote after the match is the embarrassing part. And and that sounds like at best, it sounds like Ten Hog and his brain thought, man, I just I don't want to have to deal with this shit. The worst is Ronaldo kind of making it very clear he didn't want to play in a game where they were losing six one or five one or whatever, whatever time frame you want, even at halftime, four nothing. at whatever point in the game that you know any conversation may have happened. Uh is and, and 
I've seen game. We've seen Ronaldo in a couple of these games almost look angry on the sideline that he's not playing. Right, like I can get in this game and I can win it. He looked disinterested, almost like I'm not. Couldn't be me. Yeah, and, yeah. and I do wonder if there was some. Uh, hey, seven, you want to go? Like no, and and so maybe that's his way of trying to defend it. I don't know. I I didn't see enough on the sidelines to say one way or the other. Um, if he just flat out decided I'm not going to subject him to it, as you, as you said, I think that doesn't send a great message to the rest of the team. Yeah. If he, but, but there's another way that he could have dressed it up. Yeah. Like, there, there's a lot of like, there's a lot of Barbra Streisand effect here. Like th- this is now a story this week, you know, in all the, all the back pages and tabloids because of what he said, or at least like the way that he said it, like he could have done this so much better. And now he's made it a lot it more takes, awkward for himself. On the spot, I thought of it. It's look, you know what? Uh, Portugal and Spain played a, a winner-take-all Nations League game on the last day of the international window. Mm. It is as easy as pie to say, hey, look, he didn't even get back to us until Wednesday. You know, he just played a, a couple really big Nations League games. He's 37 years old. His body just wasn't there today. And, and again, Or like Martial, like make it more about Martial. Like he's, you yeah, know, Martial he needs confidence. He needs to get into form, so I put him on. He's 37 years old, and it was 5-1 in the 60th minute. I didn't need to put him on in this game. Yeah. I need to subject him to 30 minutes when his body is not there. Make it about his body. Make it about his age. Make it about anything else other than he's too special to have played in a loss. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. LOL. Uh, there's just not much more to say uh, except, uh, yeah. He, well, right. City do this, you know, to, to people. So you kind of just hope you wonder if they'll just chalk it up to that and, and move on or whatever. Or uh, if this is just, you know, another United collapse. Who knows? We will see. Uh, but, yeah, I, I think we've talked enough about uh, them. So let's th- believe it or not, there was other football that happened uh, around not just uh, the Premier League, but around uh, the world. So what do you say, Jared? Let's get into the segments here domestically roundup yeah not quite as good as the international roundup but i guess we will have to make do yes sir yes sir all right yeah um we'll, we'll barrel through this here uh let's kick it off uh we'll keep it going with the premier league here uh, a couple other games happen yes for sure uh liverpool three brighton and hove albion three uh this was the uh the, the first game for the new manager for brighton filling in for graham potter uh whose name escapes me right now jared He's not that important. Yeah, yeah. Okay, no worries. Uh, what it, what I do remember, though, Jared, uh, remember when you said Alexander-Arnold might have a chance to get into the England side by bumping up into center midfield? Yeah, that's not happening. No, and uh, still can't defend worth shit. And uh, Van Dyke still doesn't seem interested in defending. Uh, but the big question I really have from this game is, is which top six top side is going to sign Leandro Trichard for like 60 million pounds just so they don't have to play against him because he's becoming the giant killer in the league of like the guy who's not, you know, like, I, you know, I think it was like James Madison and Vardy certainly on White Leicester for a while, right? Those guys who like, no matter what against the big teams would always get a goal or two. Trissard's like becoming that guy where every time they play a Liverpool or, or a Spurs or any of these big teams, he's always like the most dangerous guy and scoring goals in the hat trick here. So someone's just going to pay way too much for him so they can stop. Yeah, 100%. Uh, And not Chelsea, because as I uh, mentioned earlier, and as we're going to talk about next, uh, they've already pretty much, they've like pre-signed Nkunku, already done uh, a fucking medical like uh, a year. I don't even understand how that works. Like, what is this is Achilles in like February. Like, I don't (laughs) Yeah, uh, that would be so Chelsea, wouldn't it? Um, but yeah, Chelsea two, Palace one uh, in the next one. Um, Connor Gallagher with the last minute winner, uh, banger, uh, and almost apologetic in his celebration. Uh, I, I'm just, I'm going to get off my soapbox before I even get on it. I just, I, I, I get why these guys do it, but it's like, come on, you're a young kid. You just scored a great goal. And yeah, I know it's against your former club or whatever, but like, 
it, it only becomes bad to celebrate against your previous club, I think, in my opinion, if, if you're like rubbing it in their faces or if, or if you do it in like, you know, a poor form type of way. But if you just like go to the corner and celebrate with your fans and like all your teammates come around and you jump up for joy, like that's OK to do. Yeah, I mean, uh, there, in fact, when we get to the MLS, there's another situation just like this, a very similar situation. And and to me, it's I think it's it has to be circumstantial. And, and I get what you're saying about rubbing it in, but also it's like, hey, look, you know, you're if if you're winning four nothing and you score the five nothing goal, like all right, don't celebrate. There's yeah, no yes. But like, yeah, last minute winner, last minute equalizer, big goal in a game. Uh, uh, maybe if it's, even if it's not at the end of a game, if if it's a game where you know you need to win to qualify for Europe or you know or something or Champions League match, and there's a million different situations where it's like, uh, I don't think like I like I, I kind of dig it in one sense. It's it's kind of cool, but at the same time, I don't begrudge anybody who actually celebrates. So I can okay. give, I can give it or take it. Yeah, fair play, fair play. Uh, what we can take, though, is a little bit of American blood flow. Uh, Christian Pulisic, again, yeah, not great playing time coming in as a sub and everything, but assisting on that goal to give Chelsea the result. Yeah, good for that. But uh, this is a situation where, and I think the bigger thing here is that uh, if I'm Crystal Palace, uh, I feel more than a ju- more than, than pissed about what happened in this match, uh, even before this. And, and obviously, aggrieved even. Uh, I, I don't even know if a grief is this was they got robbed. Tiago Silva, that's a red card. Like it's just it's a fucking red card. And and I I tend to be pretty middle of the road on these discussions that we have if something's a red or not. But like holy shit, did Crystal Palace get bent over on this one? It, it, to me, it's not even close. And of course, then Silva gets like the fucking assist on the equalizer just to like really rub it in as a center back. Um, and and this is a game where Palace should have never been in this situation to then have a guy that they love, you know, they cheer when he comes on, like break their fucking heart again. Yeah. I, just it's a red card and i don't like i will like i will fight somebody on this one (laughs) yeah to the traveling supporters uh definitely check out the the highlights there uh but that clip it's just so obvious i mean tiago silva's on the ground like whether you know it's pretty high up in the pitch in in his own half but but you could argue i mean this is basically a last man back situation you could argue that this is uh a goal scoring opportunity yeah sure that you know the uh crystal palace player has to make a pretty long run on him but it's it would be it would have been a breakaway like a one-on-one it's it's a it was a denial of a potential goal scoring opportunity and deliberately i mean reaching out and grabbing the ball for me it's how deliberate it was look if 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 the ball it was Kalini levels if he was lying on the on the on the ground and the ball hit his hand like you i could argue you could argue the yellow i think and hey look you know look it might have stopped a goal scoring opportunity but really he like he knew nothing about it this was he was he was doing his best to hail like he just was like he just dove on the ground and just literally palmed the ball out of the way and and i think that when you add in that level of like deliberate play i think to me that's where it becomes a no-brainer because and i like i understand the last man rule does not necessarily take into that kind of account but i think when you combine those two things you know it's I, it's to me as i said it's just it's so against the spirit of the game yeah yeah i'm, I'm with, you. I'm with you. yeah that goes beyond like the tactical foul i mean that that's yeah and i believe you. crystal palace's ceo or president or one of these guys came out i think it was might even either still during the match or, or or maybe right after that was pretty much like essentially just said like it's an it's an outrage it's it's a miscarriage of justice and oh by the way this seems to happen a lot more often if you're not a big six team playing a bit he kind of without saying it was like that he just kind of towed the line of 
gee, it's really weird to see the big teams in this league get a get a really big call go their way, like when it when it really shouldn't have. So yeah, he, he escalated that. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. He I mean he he did not mince words when his with his response and he pretty much just absolutely spelled out exactly what I certainly was thinking in that moment, and that was with no dog in the fight. Yeah. Well, I mean, there there is an easy solution for all this, obviously. Just, you know, basically uh, uh, bring in, you know, league uh, referees uh, where like if you right. blow into a guy's ear or whisper a sweet nothing, like it's a straight red card. So I would, I would actually support that in this. Situation. <laughs> all right. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll get to that, obviously, uh, because, yeah, the league uh, was just in in great form per usual. Um, but, yeah, let's finish out the Premier League and the other uh, uh, continent uh, continental leagues. Uh, West Ham 2, Wolves nil. Uh, this this was your classic six-point relegation scrap in, yes, October. Uh, both managers on the hot seat. Uh, apparently, Moyes was given, like, he's given four games to prove himself. Sounds very arbitrary and, and weird or whatever. Uh, but, yeah, Bruno Lodge, as, as we all knew, was pretty much losing the goodwill uh, from the Wolverhampton supporters as well as the front office and yes he received the sack uh, after this game uh yeah West Ham surviving um but but yeah Wolves are in trouble man yeah the the moist thing is hilarious because that's legitimately like that like on football manager shit it's like you must get nine points in your next like five yeah (laughs) it's like really like that's actually a thing that happens in like real conversations uh yeah West Ham deserving here uh Wolves pretty pretty poor uh I think we can, and I think the the firing of Lodge was was perfectly stated. Where, you know, the, the the you know the team, the club that came out and said they were pretty much like, look, we love the guy. He's a great manager. It just is not working here right now. He will get hired somewhere else, and he will be successful. He's not a bad manager. He just it, it just he got in go. We got in some quicksand here. It's not entirely his fault. There's been injuries, et cetera, et cetera. But it's just not working. And like we really want him to be good somewhere else. And I think that that kind of encapsulates his situation perfectly. It just it just stopped working there. Yeah, and and they said as much in the club statement, which which I thought was one of like the best club statements that you can have when you sack a coach. It, it was just it, it was genuine. And it was like, dude, we we like this guy, and he's gonna be really successful. Eh, it's just not working out here. Yeah, no, and and I think Wolves are, are I think their saving grace is that there have been so many other teams that are playing poorly. But again, with Fulham having you know pretty good start to the season, and and Leeds having a pretty good start to the season, and you know, look, I I think we can safely say you know Forest is is in a world of hurt. I I mean I don't know what to make of Leicester other than their the results are what they are. But mm. I, you know, Wolves find themselves as probably uh, very very likely to go down, and, and I don't think they're better than Crystal Palace. I don't think they're better than Southampton and West Ham, and they're not better than Aston Villa. So uh, I don't you know I, I guess at some point I don't know if it's going to be the manager they hire now or if it's going to take a little bit longer. But I I, I kind of feel like they're going to end up hiring you know insert relegation specialist here. Um, okay, so so you think they'll finally uh, deviate from the the, the chain of, of Portuguese coaches? You're saying Mourinho's out of this one? Uh, yeah, I mean. <laughs> It's a compelling thing, right? Because usually, like, you're right. That's usually what they've done. But on the other hand, this is usually what teams in this situation do. So it's, yeah. you know, the movable force against the resistible object. Yeah, who, who are the, the relegation specialists these days anymore? Like, we, we obviously everyone knows the Big Sam mold, right? But but who are they? I think days? it might still be Big Sam. I don't think oh, it's actually gone oh. to the next generation yet. I think it's like Messi and Ronaldo both being good at 37. I think Big Sam's still the guy, right? Unbelievable. All right. Well, yeah, Big Sam at Wolves would be absolutely hilarious. But also, yeah, dude, I don't know. I know Mourinho's like happy in Roma, apparently. Uh, but but he's just getting to his three year thing. Uh, and, and you know, with the Portuguese element, I, I don't know. I feel like a return to the Premier League with Wolves might suit him, actually. I don't think he's going to do that because I think he knows that they're going to get relegated and doesn't want that smoke. 
Okay. All right. Uh, not even his magic fingers can uh, fix that situation, I guess. Well, anyways, um, yeah, we'll leave that there. And uh, yeah, just chuck the uh, the Arsenal-Newcastle segment in here. Uh, <laughs> Jared, that was great. Fulham, obviously, with the, the very, very early red card, uh, just waiting to see how Newcastle bottled it. Uh, but they didn't, Jared. They actually got uh, three points at, at the expense of Full America. Uh, how dare you? Yeah, pretty. Uh, pretty uh, this result more or less told themselves. I think outside of obviously the city, you know what? Even including this was once that red card had happened, and then like the early goal was scored. This was the most obvious kind of result of the entire match day. I think it was pretty obvious at that point that there was no way Fulham was going to be able to do anything to really, you know, score with Newcastle or anything like that. Uh, you know, if we want a little American blood flow, that first goal by Almiron was an absolute peach. Uh, mm. Probably a goal of the month candidate. Well, goal of the month candidates for absolute sure. Um, wouldn't be surprised to see that one win goal of the month, but uh, yeah, a very easy coasting. Newcastle takes the foot off the brakes in the last 30 minutes, if not before that. And again, only their second win of the season and yet seventh place in the table. It's truly incredible. Oh my God. Is the Premier League a good league? I think the are still <laughs> <now>. <laughs> Um Well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> proof's in the pudding. Uh, no, the Premier League is not a good league because if a, a shambolic club such as Arsenal Football Club can uh, be top of the table uh, at this point of the year, uh, yeah, clearly you're just a farmer's league. Uh, and that's how Freaking I feel. The Union Berlin of England. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Oh, man. Uh, although, you know, in all seriousness, I, I think we're playing really well. I, I am, uh, you know, I'm still a little like we still need to be tested against the top clubs. Uh, but I, I would consider Spurs a top club uh, and the North London Derby straight out of the international break, um, uh, you know, throwing the feet to the fire there. And and I thought we um, absolutely uh, uh, performed really well in this game. And I, I don't want to say dominated them. Obviously, we can argue the merits of the red card, which changed the, the dynamic of the game and all that. Uh, but I, I just thought we were the better side. Um, and, and we showed that we can not just compete for top four. I mean, we're, we're locked in. I'm not saying locked into a top four spot, but locked into that competition, um, but potentially compete for the league. And, 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 and I, I uh, you know, with some hesitation uh, and with some, uh, what would I say? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the word would be, but, but, but I do kind of want the, the city challenge. I do want to take on Manchester City and, and see how this team performs against them. Uh, but yeah, bottom line is three to one Arsenal in the North London Derby. Uh, Partey with a peach. Uh, you know, obviously the, the hot potato penalty merchant Harry Kane uh, gets from to equalize. Uh, but then Jesus and, and Jaka. I mean, Jaka, Jaka has as many goals as Mohamed Salah in the Premier League this year. That's all you need to know about that, Jared. Yeah, let me help you on this. As the uh, as a neutral observer here, A, Arsenal dominated Spurs. B, it was a red card. C, you are going to finish in the top four. D, you are not going to challenge City. I think we can wrap it up with that. I mean, that's just, I, honestly, I think that's the way it's going to go. We, I, I've been saying for six weeks, this was the match for Arsenal to prove themselves. I think they did without a shadow of a doubt. Um, they were clearly the better team, even before the red card. Uh, it was a red card. I don't really understand why people are arguing this. Yeah. He was about it. Was, a, it was, um, it was. He was a mile and a half away from the ball and his studs were up. Uh, yeah. Done. Um, and look, um, it was, it was easy. I, not easy. Or easy is not the right way. It was so comfortable, I think, for our right, I would say comfortable. And I think that's, and I think that's again, I, I, I've, I've found ways to try and figure out in my head whether I thought Arsenal was a really good team or just a team taking advantage of a really good schedule. But this type of comfort in a rivalry game, uh, I think, is the justification you need to prove that they are a very good team. Now, does that mean that they go out and play Liverpool and get a 
win against Liverpool coming up? No, uh, not necessarily, right? I, it's, it's, you have to now, especially, um, you know, it's, it's right off the bat, you have the midweek game and everything else. But I think that if you can even just get a draw at home against Liverpool, and I think you're playing better than them, no reason that you can't get three points. Then again, the schedule opens up a bit. You get, you know, you're at Leeds, at Southampton, home against Nottingham Forest. So the next, the rest of the month in terms of the league, uh, is is not uncomfortable and, and again while i don't think they can certainly challenge city for the title mm. i think that again you just keep banking these points and and if you can get you know to january or february where you're in touching distance you know city has shown a, a bit of a propensity to to not play their best in march and april right we, we've seen how they've taken some big leads and given them up so if you can somehow stay in the picture and they managed to go on that kind of swoon, which they've gone on, which again with Holland may not happen, but Hey, at least you put yourself in a spot where you can make it interesting. And I think that it, certainly, you know, you would take it before the season, but I think it's probably beyond your wildest dreams. Yeah. Um, and, and Jared, I think you're forgetting that we have William Saliba who is going to put uh, Erling Haaland in his back pocket in that game. So uh, what, that's only like two goals and an assist for him then? <laughs> uh, no. Well, yeah. And what I mean by that is uh, Gabrielle's going to lunge in uh, like he did for the penalty for Harry Kane and probably get sent off for a red card and it'll be another disaster. Um, so yeah, I'm going to adjust my expectations for that one. Thank you for bringing me back down to earth. Um, but yeah, that'll do it for the Premier League. Uh, Jared, unless there's anything to say about Bournemouth nil, Brentford nil. Uh, yeah, there was another really bad bar call in that game too. Uh, just in case we were wondering, uh, I don't, I, again, I don't really understand. So, so the Prem can't do VAR is what you're saying. Like, I just like, and this one, they lost everything. It was just like, it's what, like, how do you, it's a fucking penalty. Like, how are you, you know, check out the, uh, I don't remember the player, honestly, at this point, because again, the game had so little going on, but it was, uh, very quite, quite, quite clearly a penalty that they, for some reason did not give. And, and that would have, that was about the only way this game was ever going to have a goal. Yeah, just one of life's mysteries. Why can't the Prem do VAR? Uh, well, that'll do it for them. Uh, let's move on here, Jared, to the Spanish Domestic League, La Liga. Uh, Real Madrid, uh, its first stumble in their perfect start start to uh, the domestic season. Um, and Kareem Benzema missing a penalty kick in this one. Uh, Real Madrid won, Osasuna won. Uh, and yeah, Barcelona won Mallorca, nil. Uh, just rounding up the top two teams per usual, two-horse race here. Uh, but yeah, Barcelona, not a bad formula, akin to Dortmund, I would say. Uh, don't even really have to play that good. Just defend well enough and get a goal from your one guy. Yeah, and uh, as you said, the Benzema missed penalty. You know, you hate saying like it, it's it's so ridiculous to say. Oh, this missed penalty in the 79th minute of the Osasuna match in October looms large, but you, it kind of might. Like, right? We, if we look at these two teams that we just think are going to just spank everyone, as much as Bill Bow and Batiste are, are trying to, you know keep pace and they're doing a decent enough job uh but i mean if we expect these two horse races like you're not supposed to not win at home against osasuna right these are and what we've been saying about real madrid's like the way that they've won these games it's just not sustainable to be like living on the seat of your like (laughs) on the seat of your pants and like living so dangerously and leaving it so late etc yeah, and, and again, like you understand that there's going to be two or three games uh, against not against the uh, the, the Atleticos or the Batistas, but you know your your Osasunas or your Celta Vigos or your Mallorcas or those kind of teams. You have a couple of those games on the road usually where you don't get you know you don't score a goal or they hold out and you, you tie one one or nil nil or something like that. But usually at home, it's it's supposed to be automatic. And, yeah. and Osasuna was again very good at just as 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 good as you can be giving up 22 shots and, and all of the ball where you, you keep, again, you keep the shots from largely outside only four shots on target, including the penalty. Uh, well, I guess that's not technically a shot on target since he hit the post, but um, 
it's it's you're just making it difficult. And and in this day, Madrid just could not overcome that kind of difficult defense. And and although it's something that doesn't happen very often, it certainly did happen in, in this one. And as you said, Barcelona takes advantage and is now at top of the table for the first time in a hot minute. Yeah, there you have it. Uh, by the way, is Real Madrid still playing? Are they playing at the Bernabeu now, or still like the U twenty three stadium? No, I think they're. I think they're back at the stadium now. Okay. Okay. Great. Uh, well, yeah, the home field advantage uh, clearly not enough for them, right? Sharing the points with Osasuna, um, and yes, Barca are top. Uh, Jared, anything else going on in La Liga? Yeah, Atletico Madrid two nil winners at Sevilla. Uh, Llorente and Morata, who's actually been in a pretty good run of form for club and country. Uh, two things about this game. You'll never guess who subbed on in the 60th minute, just uh, as we watch that one uh, you know, kind of unfold over the season. You want to take a guess at this one? or uh, Jao Felix. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. I think did you, I think you lose this one. Did Joe Felix? I, actually, it might be Joe Felix. I don't even know. No, Joe oh. did not come in at that point. <laughs> Joe Felix came on in the 87th minute. Uh, but no, Anton Griezmann coming on in the 60th minute. Ah, wow. Uh, but more importantly, we, we've talked a lot about Sevilla, uh, 17th place in the table. Uh, it just it's it's an unimaginable place. And again, we knew they would struggle this year, uh, but I, I don't I, I, I mean, just has Lopetegui gotten the sack or no? No, not yet, though. As, as every week, every podcast I listen to that talks about league, it says, man, he's really on the hot seat this week. Yeah, <laughs> I, but he's still there. And, and again, it's it's tough right now for Sevilla because they are in the Champions League. So if you um if you fire your manager, wait, they are in the chip, right? Yeah, they're playing Dortmund like on Wednesday. Yeah, yeah. yeah so, like, it's tough to fire a manager when you have literally games every midweek, too. And then it's like, when do you actually pull the trigger? Right. Um, there's no quote unquote, like, good time to do it. And but by all, the way, they, not, like, this guy's been on the hot seat for so long and it just keeps getting, like, it must be fucking nuclear at this point. Like, remember, when is it finally going to. And remember when I said Arsenal had a pretty good uh, month coming up and it's a good time? Uh, Sevilla has to host Dortmund host Bilbao, who is currently third in the table, go to Dortmund at Mallorca, home against Valencia at Real Madrid in the next three weeks. They have six matches, and, and uh, at Mallorca is the easiest one of those in the next three weeks, and Mallorca is not an easy place to play. It is not going to get any better for them in the next three weeks. Crikey. Um, anything else in La Liga, Jack? Uh, a barn burner, Real Sociedad five, Girona three. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I didn't actually see any of that, so I can't really speak to the um, except that Girona has a guy named Raquel May, and that just cracked me up. I don't ah. know if it's related, but um, no, not really too much else in La Liga this weekend. Yeah, all right, very good. Uh, so moving on to the Italian domestic league, uh, Serie A, a couple of results highlighted. Speaking of uh, Jose Mourinho, uh, facing his old club, uh, you know, who cares? I certainly don't. But yeah, a bit of a storyline here as he goes up against uh, his, his former club, with whom he won uh, the Champions League, uh, getting the result, Roma 2, Inter 1. It's funny because when you, like, I had to, like, do a, a second thought. I was like, when you said his former team is, I'm like, wait, that's every team. I, like, yeah. <laughs> uh, look, it, it, we, it, to not beat the dead horse on this one, you know, Syria is just like this. It's this dumpster fire, car crash, bumper car. I don't even know, like, what you want to call it. But, I mean, just these teams just keep, they crash into each other every week. Uh, the results are extraordinarily unpredictable on a weekly basis. Um, Inter, I think you could probably argue pretty easily that they've struggled quite a bit this season, and, and a home loss here does does not make it any better. I think they're actually all the way down in ninth now, but look, good on Roma. Um, it's a it's a solid victory. Um, it's a, I think, a, a pretty comprehensive, normal Jose Mourinho on the road against a good team kind of victory. You get it, you know, your winner on the set piece kind of deal. Um, 
yeah, Smalling. Uh, if England could use a center back, maybe I don't know if <laughs> doing, but there's a yeah, couple it's incredible. Of so then, like T- Tammy Abraham can't stop scoring for them. You've got Chris Smalling, who's actually been like a pretty solid center back. Amori is like the don't get center yeah. back on the planet, and like yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but no, look, Roma, a, a big win for them, right? They they were in, they were kind of in in danger of kind of falling down the table, like the way Inter has, and and you know, and and to get a win on the road. Yeah, I know we're not supposed to care, but you really do have to give them a lot of credit on this one. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, moving themselves up to sixth in the table, it is Napoli and Atalanta uh, tied on 20 points. Lazio and Milan, 17. Uh, Udinese, 16. Like you said, tied with Roma there. Uh, just like you said, a, an absolute clusterfuck. Uh, what, one, one club that was not mentioned in that top six, obviously Juventus, uh, but finally getting back to their winning ways. So, yeah, you know, again, false alarm. Everything's fine. You know, all that drama about, you know, Juve being gone and losing all those games. Like Allegri said, it's all fine. Uh, Juve three, Bologna nil. And look, a comfortable win against a team that's not very good. Uh, I, as and by the way, he had a, a very good assist in this game. But I'm not a hundred percent sure starting Weston McKinney at right midfield in the long run is a recipe for success. Um, again, he he set up Vlavic very nice, a great ball actually uh, from the wing. But it's it's it, again, I don't. I don't really know what they're doing still. Um, you know, Rabio's starting and then McKinney's on the right, but Rabio's in the center, even though Rabio's probably a little bit more comfortable outside. Maybe I, maybe in the, in the course of the game, they, they moved around a bit. Mm. I don't know. They're back at a four back, I guess. And Rabio is Rabio is Rabio. So, you know, that, that says everything Look, right there. We'll win and it's better than the alternative, but I, I, I don't know that there's anything here to really make me feel any better about Juventus. They were actually outpossessed in this match at home against Bologna. Uh, eh. As you said, uh, what seventh in the table? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're definitely known. Uh, all, all joking aside, uh, Juve are definitely not back on track, and I think that he's just papering over cracks at this point. <laughs> I think that thing is held together with like you know spit and chewing gum, for God's sakes. Um, Jared, anything else in Syria? No, I would just uh, again, Juventus goes to AC Milan next weekend, so we're. I guess we will find out if they are back on track. But uh, again, I, I think of all the leagues, this is the one to currently be spending your time if you have limited amounts. Yeah, very good. Um, all right, let's head over to your wheelhouse, uh, the Bundesliga. Uh, speaking of teams that are back on track, uh, you know, Bayern Munich, all good. Back to their winning ways. Uh, 4-0 over Bayer Leverkusen. Uh, would you say a little bit more, you know, uh, less Juve and more, you know, actually back on track here? Mostly, I'm going to say yes. The uh, The only thing I will say, if you want to, if you want to temper that expectation, would be that, uh, again, we've talked about Leverkusen's mercurial nature and we generally very quickly find out whether they're in for it or not and obviously in this game uh, by giving up a goal like in the first three minutes they were not and so look if, if you're buying you got to feel better you got money back on the score sheet uh, Mueller takes advantage of a of a, oof, of a very rough situation by Leverkusen um, but I would just say on, on that end uh, I would like to see them do it one or two more times in the league before I fully believe they're back on board uh, I believe they're back on board more because of what everyone else in the league did than than what they did against the Leverkusen side, who, again, is next to last in the table and, and really doesn't play very well all that often. Yeah. And Jared, how about your uh, your honeybees uh, losing to Cologne 3-2? Uh, no, not, not following the formula there. I mean, it's, it's, you know, Marco Royce not even on the score sheet. Yeah, well, Marco Royce also not in uniform because he's hurt. Uh, Marco Royce. Oh, wow. Marco Royce is injured? That is the shocker of the century. And they put in Giovanni. Oh, wait, no, he's injured too. Shit. Hold on. Who did they... Uh, oh, fuck. Uh, they put in uh, three other guys who have also been hurt this year. Yeah, not great. Um, yeah, they're, uh, and their goalie's hurt. And uh, yeah, everyone's hurt. 
Um, every guy that's like on the team right now is like all wearing like the thirties and forties jersey numbers. Uh, wow. they, yeah, they're look, they're 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 not good at defending still. Um, mm. I was hoping I was hoping that with Sula and Schwader back, they would be better at defending, but they're they're not. Uh, and um, yeah. Uh, and I guess they can score goals occasionally because they have some attacking talent, but they still can't defend worth a shit. Well, and, right, and they did go out to a one 0 lead, Julian Brandt in the thirty first. And yeah, th- these are the types of games that you have to manage uh, if you're a club like Dortmund and have aspirations. Uh, but yeah, just letting Cohn back in, I would think, people, and I would, can only manage an own goal for the second one. I would think that if you're Dortmund, your expectation should be let's just try and make sure we finish in the top four again, please. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. Fair play. Um, Let's see. uh, A couple other matches here. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, Werder Bremen, five. uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach, uh, one. uh, Leipzig, four. Bochum, nil. Uh, I actually failed to highlight uh, what actually seems to be a bigger one here. Uh, Eintracht Frankfurt uh, taking down the the league leaders, Union Berlin, two nil. Yeah, a bit of a – in what order shall we go through this? Yeah, one? okay. So, uh, sorry, started off with the Werder Bremen uh, dropping five. On yeah, that match, what do we, I don't even know what to make of that. Uh, uh, ben said Biani for Mönchengladbach scored like an absolute worldly own goal in this match. I think that was the uh, fourth goal. Uh, yeah, this match was like 3 nothing in 15 minutes, and uh, that makes no sense. Uh, I, Bremen, who obviously is, is you know, up and down um, – has been good, right? They're a top half team right now, but I just it's it's completely out of character for them to go in an offensive explosion and really out of character for Gladbach to concede goals like that. And and so that was the most, I think, in all the big five leagues, I think this was the biggest like what the fuck result of the weekend. Yeah, yeah, no shit. Um, and yeah, Leipzig could be kind of a, a what the fuck. They haven't really been informed, or at least like mercurial up and down. Who yeah. knows what you're going to get with them? Uh, but yeah, four nil against uh, Bochum. Uh, Werner Abreu and Kuku Abreu. I know we mentioned him before and his weird kind of already leaving, but those two guys uh, were absolutely on a roll today. Uh, Bochum is the the meat sim of the Bundesliga, sadly. Yeah, it, it uh, helps I, when you're playing the team. Uh, eight games, zero wins, one draw, seven losses, negative eighteen goal difference. Yeah, that goal differential is is the same. Uh, negative goal differential as 15 16 and 17 in the table combined uh Chalko, Stuttgart and Leverkusen combined have a negative 18 they're they're all on their own um and Kukuashi also missed a penalty in this game so it actually could have been far worse okay um and uh yeah I think that's about it from me I threw in the mind result just as a you know to say hey, Freiburg Freiburg tied for top of the league at this point with Union at this point it's it's Becoming a little car crashy in Germany right now. But again, I think because you expect Bayer to do its thing eventually, it doesn't quite have the same gravitas as the Italian car crash. Okay. Uh, there you have it. Um, Jared, anything else about Bundesliga? Or can we just talk about Ligue 1 for two seconds? Yeah, we should probably talk about Ligue 1 for a couple yeah. seconds here. Yep. <laughs> PSG won, and there were a lot of red cards. Uh, those games happened. Uh, we, we could, you know, ejaculate a little bit over the Messi free kick. Uh, almost like deja vu. You got to see him in person, and then he just did it again over in Paris. Yeah, pretty much the same spot in the field, except, uh, you know, and what's amazing, again, you like, not to, I don't think I have to convince anybody that he is good at soccer. Uh, but the idea that, like, you know, he has the one free kick in the spot, and he can just go, you know, lower left, and then literally the same free kick, same spot. And then he just goes upper right, like top ends. Like he could he just, you know, just wherever you want him to put it, he will just postage stamp it and uh, goalie will not even move because they can't. And uh, yeah, he's uh, good at soccer. But I will give a little bit of credit to Nice here. They were in the match until the end and Bappe didn't score until the last 10 minutes. Again, it was a, a normal PSG game in terms of the dominance and the, and the, uh, you know, the, I, I wouldn't say comfort, comfort of it, but, you know, Nice really kind of made them work for it. And I guess if you're probably traveling to PSG, that's all you can ask. 
Okay, yeah, very good. Uh, in the words of Dr. Rodero, yeah, anger's lost again, man, but at least Claremont foot won. Yeah, Claremont put a big, a big road victory, three to one. Uh, that doesn't happen very often. Against Ajakio, uh, which I can only giggle at, of course, uh, for reasons only you and I and some certain traveling supporters oh. are. The table for Ajaccio, Ajaccio, Jackoffio, whatever they <laughs> So good. Uh, anything else, Jared, about Liga, or can we move uh, on? Leon sucks now. That's all I have to say. Yeah, okay, fair play. Um, all right, yeah, let's leave that at that and uh, and move it on to uh, the next segment here. Uh, MLS Corner featuring Jared Reback. Um, talk about parody, Jared. I mean, like, I'm just looking at these results week by week, and it's like, it truly is like anything can happen. Uh, LAFC have kind of uh, bounced back, right? They clinched the, the Community Shield with a win over Portland. Um, but yeah, like the Philly Union, the team that scores a million goals every game, uh, blanked by Charlotte 4-0. Uh, there and then, yeah, Austin FC, you, the self, you, your proclaimed uh, best team, uh, getting blanked as well. Clean sheet, Vancouver getting a clean sheet against them, two nil, uh, and then a couple other results. But yeah, let's let's talk about those uh, insane results. Yeah, but a lot of these results do have in common. This particular weekend was teams that are <laughs> scratching and clawing to try and get in the playoffs, beating teams that are already there, and, and even the, like Austin at this point, not really playing for anything. They're locked into that two seed in the West. Philly was really never going to catch LA. Obviously, uh, are pretty comfortable. They're going to, you know, almost surely uh, clinch the top of the East. And then you have a Charlotte who's trying to backdoor their, you know, trying to get in at the last second. You have uh, Vancouver who, again, on the outside looking and just trying to get in. And so I think you're just seeing a few of these teams just absolutely playing with their hair on fire, just trying at the last second to get in and, um, and, and, and just by any means necessary. And, and a couple teams just, you know, maybe just trying to make sure that they're in that perfect uh, spot to to get the playoffs healthy and, and make sure that that's what they're focused on. Yeah, I, like it is. And, and tell us, uh, as you know, our MLS correspondent here, for those of us who, uh, you know, don't, don't follow it as much. Um, but but it is like playoff time, right? And like, what what is the playoff picture looking like at this point? Sure. Yeah. So um, right now in the East, the top four of all clinch: Philly, Montreal, New York City. Uh, both New York City teams, uh, City and FC in third after winning a home game at uh, Red Bull Arena. Yep, okay, just checking. Uh, uh, no. <laughs> fourth. Um, but right now you have Cincy, Orlando, Miami, Columbus, and Charlotte, five teams for three spots. Um, since he has one game left, everyone else has two, but I mean, since he on 46, Orlando on 45, Miami on 45, and that's the cutoff line right now. Columbus also on 45 on the outside looking in, they got a massive win against the Red Bulls at home where, um, they were losing one nothing going into the 89th minute, and then Derek Etienne scored two goals. By the way, former Red Bull and also like did not really celebrate both goals, to your point before. This was one of those where I think you have to go crazy because you possibly just you just saved your team season. Uh, I feel like that's a, an appropriate time. I don't yeah. take offense to that. But uh, again, you know uh, that's coming down the wire in the West. You have L.A., Austin, Dallas, the L.A. Galaxy, and Nashville all clinched with Portland, Minnesota, uh, Salt Lake and Vancouver all trying to get in um, with one game to go. And again, uh, they do. Uh, it's always a good weekend. Sunday uh, next week, you have the the simultaneous kickoffs by conference uh, for decision day. So I think the West or the East is at like 2.30 and the West is at 5. And I think at least they have in the past, I think the networks have had kind of the wraparound show 
available somewhere. So hopefully that'll happen again this year where they think they focus on one game to kind of bounce around a bit. So uh, if you're, if you're kind of just want to catch in on the tail end and watch the playoffs, this would be your perfect opportunity to kind of get in right before if the NFL doesn't, uh, you know, doesn't quite float your boat. All right. Very good. Uh, And uh, to all the local traveling supporters, we will not find uh, our team, uh, DC United, in their uh, dead last in the Eastern Conference. Uh, They've clinched clinched by far the uh, the wooden spoon, which is the the unofficial worst place and worst team in the league uh, award. That's so brutal, especially when I saw my my boy Donovan Pines got the red card (laughs) against Montreal, losing one nil in that one. It's just uh, salt in the wound. But yes, we will. Uh, I will next week. I think next Monday we will have the full on like playoff preview. I think on this show would be fair. All righty, um, and yeah, I think that'll do it for MLS Corner, Jared. Yep. All right, very good. Uh, we're gonna go ahead and wrap this bad boy up. Um, uh, let's kick it. Let's kick off the wrap up uh, with own goal of the day. Uh, and Jared, as your gracious podcast host, I'm gonna allow you to go first. Uh, do you mind if I go outside the soccer world for this one? Oh, go for it, man! Come on. Um, ESPN. Uh, they, we got to stop with this Aaron Judge fucking shit. Oh, no. Go. Get him. In the words of LeVar Arrington, get him. <laughs> uh, two weeks in a row, I've, I've had to watch my nationally ranked Wake Forest Demon Deacons play other nationally ranked teams on national TV. And every now and then having a split screen with sound watching some fucking idiot intentionally walk Aaron Judge. So in the hope, right, in the hope that they can catch him hitting a home run that would, I believe, um, that I would believe put him at like seventh all time for home runs in a season. Right. Right. It's not even the record. <laughs> it's not like it's the Yankees team record. And maybe like, I guess the AL record, if that's even a thing though, I don't even think, um, I don't even think like we care about AL and NL records anymore. It's just like, dude, if I want to watch baseball, I will like watch baseball. If I want to watch soccer, I will watch soccer. If I want to watch football, I will watch... like, we have options in this day and age where I can find out, um, what is happening in any sport I want. Yeah. And, uh, when you split screen a game that other people like care about in another sport and you literally take the sound away from them, so on and so forth. Like, and then they're like, and then last week they're like, um, yeah, we're not going to do this for Monday night football between the giants and the Cowboys. But like, that's the teams that actually like have like the, the crossover with the Yankee fans. Yeah. Like it just it, like literally makes no sense. And they're just pissing everyone off. And I'm really worried that like, if like, I, I think the major league season ends like on Sunday. Right. If, if, if I'm correct. And if it's like the last day of the season and the Yankees are playing and they like go into like MLS coverage because they're like, want to show Aaron judge, like try and get a home run. Like that would, like, it would be, that's how it, that's like, I'm going to bring it back to soccer that way. But like, um, if I I'd like to watch a sport at a given point, if I want to watch another one, I'll, I'll fucking turn it on. So stop doing that. Yeah. When, when you just said ESPN is my own goal, you could have left it at that because like, yeah, no, for anything, for, but I mean, there's just like, it's happened two weeks in a row. And it's just like, and like they, like we all bitch about it the first thing. It's like, Oh, okay. Maybe they like, they heard all these people complain about it. Nope. Double down did it again. Yeah, it's like they try and jam it down your throat. And to relate it to a soccer thing, remember when there used to be like a lot of, uh, well, there still is kind of, but I'm just thinking about back in the day when they would broadcast soccer games, but still have the fucking like uh, uh, bottom line going. And it's like, if I cared about baseball scores, like, yeah, I'll look it up on my phone or something. Like, you don't need to jam this down my throat. Uh, And, and, dude, and remember even they would show replays of games. This was back before, you know, the the technology has advanced so far. But they would show replays of the game. 
And the bottom line would have the result of the game on, that you were just watching right there that you didn't know the result of. It's like ESPN, get your shit together. Yeah, and stop showing me baseball if I don't want to watch it. I don't want to watch it. I don't. That's yeah, it, why like, I'm not watching it. They're just trying to make fetch happen. Like baseball's and again, it's not like, relevant. The only people who like it are like sixty-year-old white men, and like, they have and, ways and again, to watch. These are it. these are college football games between like again, not that Wake's a major program, but like Clemson and Florida State are also involved in these games. And I don't know if you uh, know American geography. None of these three schools are anywhere the fuck close to New York. Like we, yeah. don't, like the Clemson fans don't give a shit. I know Florida State fans don't give a shit. Wake fans, I guess, I mean, we have a Northeast presence, so I suppose there's some, but it's like, dude, like, if I'm a Yankees fan and a Wake fan, I will find my way. Like, I promise. I don't need to not listen to a Wake Forest touchdown drive because I'm watching him, like, pop out to second base. Yeah. Oh, my God. I love that. Uh, and, and, yeah, uh, my own goal of the day, uh, to, to bring it back to a, a, a football uh, own goal of the day, but 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 kind of uh, similar in a way because he, he's calling out, uh, talking about U.S. sports here, uh, but Real Madrid president, Florentino Perez is back in the news. Uh, I mean, he is still just like hanging on to this Super League thing. It's like it's just so pathetic at this point. Uh, but his his latest episode in this series of, of trying to <laughs> trying to make fetch happen. Uh, speaking of which, uh, he said that football is, quote, sick and losing the global entertainment battle with uh, with U.S. sports. Uh, and he just it, what, what was his uh, his allegory here? Let's see. Um uh, oh my god okay right he brought it to tennis jared did you hear yeah. him say this he's yeah. like in tennis nadal and federer have played 40 times in 15 years nadal and Djokovic have played 59 matches in 16 years in football we've only played liverpool nine times in 67 years we've played chelsea four times in the history of the european cup what sense does it make to deprive fans of all these games which is like so hilarious for so many reasons and mostly because he's like you know, I'm the champion of the football supporter and I'm doing this for you. How I, everyone else wants to deprive you guys of this, but I'm still trying to make it happen. Dude, it's just like so pathetic and so own goal for me. Yeah, no, I mean, it's it, like it, he's he's to be fair. And he also said he's pretty much talking about how, like, you know, Real Madrid used to be like the most valuable like sports franchise on earth. And now they're not uh, because like a bunch of NFL teams essentially have taken them over, you know, like the, the Cowboys and the Patriots and the Giants and so yeah. on. And probably the Yankees as well. So, you know, whatever. But so I think he's just he's hurt because he's not number one in that anymore. And it's like, well, obviously, if the American sports are doing it right, well, we must do the same thing. And, and it's just it's obviously not. I mean, I don't have to tell you it's not an apples to apples comparison by any stretch of the imagination. So I don't really know why he thinks because the Cowboys and Eagles are both fucking rich that that means Madrid has to play Liverpool more often. It, it really it does lose me. Yeah, there's a huge gap in, in, in logic there. And and that's the hilarious thing is that he's not even talking about like the popularity of the sport. He's literally just talking about the value of clubs, which which are like totally apples and oranges there. Like football is still the number one sport far away in the world but it's now just because like oh poor real madrid now now they're like the 13th most rich club uh sports club in the entire world like that yeah that's why the super league needs to happen the funny part is is that your his argument is that we're not as popular as a league that is legitimately closed like it's not like like and i understand the nfl like the u.s is the only team like fucking country that plays like american football but right. it's not like there's like some like football super league like nfl super league like the nfl just happens to be the super league which yeah. is Normally it's going to be in 20 years, but I digress. Um, but the, the funny part is, and, and even about the tennis thing where he's like, oh, we've played them so little. But like, to me, that's, the, that's a benefit. 
Exactly. Oh, there's more than three like good players. Like he's talking about Nadal, Federer, and Djokovic, and that's a that's a happenstance, a happy accident where you have these three players who are just like gods or whatever. But like you know what? Yeah, maybe you've only played Liverpool nine times and you've played Chelsea four times, but you've played Liverpool nine times, you've played Chelsea four times, you've played Bayern Munich ten times, you've played Manchester United ten times, you've played Juventus. So when you add all those up. It still compete. It still averages out to you play five, six, seven, eight of these like marquee games a season. They're just not against the same teams, and that's a good thing. It's good that Bayern one year plays Juventus and then one year plays Madrid and one year plays PSG. That's a lot cooler to me than if they just literally played each other all the time nonstop. And I know this because a lot of the times in the in the domestic leagues, I get bored of the quote unquote rivalry games. Like as much as it was cool to watch Holland go crazy yesterday, the Manchester Derby is not interesting right now. Yeah, it is. If you're a fan of one of the teams, don't get me wrong. And, and Arsenal Spurs is great if you're a fan of one of the teams. But I don't know. Like, I'm only getting up extra early for one of those games if I think it's going to be a good game because the teams are good, not because of the necessarily the teams involved. Right. It doesn't have yeah. to be Madrid Barcelona. It can be Madrid versus fucking Getafe if Getafe is really good. And like it, it looks like a competitive, like fun game. It doesn't matter. And so I don't need to say these teams play nonstop because the novelty wears off and then it becomes less interesting. Yes. 100 percent. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I, I was just saying to me, maybe I'm maybe I'm in the minority on that. That's just the way I, I perceive it. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know, Jerry. I, I think you might be onto something there. I, I think a lot of people feel the same way. Look, the bottom line is that this guy is just so detached and disassociated yeah. with reality. Uh, and, and all you can do is laugh at it. That is my own goal of the day right there. Um, yeah, Jared, let, let's end things as we are want to do on a positive note. Uh, we are officially in stoppage time. So it is time for your stoppage time uh, winners. I'll, I'll go ahead and go first. Uh, yeah, I know we had a lot of tragedies. We covered those at the top of the episode and obviously here in the States as well um, with, with Hurricane Ian uh, just causing like an incredible amount of devastation uh, in Florida, just dumping you know, quintillions of gallons of rain uh, all along the, the eastern seaboard here over the last few days. Uh, but uh, to bring back a quote from Mr. Rogers, uh, whenever you see so, whenever you're sad uh, and you see something happen like this, always look for the helpers. There are always helpers. Uh, and that always just uh, gives me a nice warm fuzzy. And um, so when you, you see some of the good things, uh, you know, some of the people helping uh, in Indonesia, when you see, uh, you know, some of the people helping uh, when, when a stadium collapses, when you see all the, you know, the Coast Guard and the everything uh, helping people who are suffering uh, uh, because of Hurricane Ian. Um, yeah, it just reminds you that there there are some uh, good things. There, there's always going to be tragedies. There's always going to be shitty stuff. Uh, but just remember, there's always helpers. Always look for the helpers. Um, and Jared, as I say that, um, we do have a personal connection there. And I don't think we checked in. How are Kayla and Rich doing in Florida down there? Good. They, uh, they were, Orlando was mostly spared, uh, most of it. Um, you know, there were a couple areas. But fortunately, they do live on top of whatever is considered high ground in Florida, which is, I think. So 47 feet elevation. Right. And so, uh, for, obviously, it rained like a motherfucker. And, and, their, and their pool kind of overflowed. But, um, but no, they, they avoided. I think their, their biggest personal uh, issue is that, uh, you know, their, their dog Willow is not the biggest fan ever of rain and so the, the dog walks became a, a little challenging but they were uh very mercifully uh spared from any any real problems okay very good very good yeah glad to hear that always look for the helpers like mr rogers said um jared what's your stop time winner um 
Let's go with uh, a little the NFL game in London, uh, as they want to do. <laughs> Just a good old wholesome picture of the the cast from Ted Lasso, all like there singing and dancing and everything else. Uh, they were all apparently sitting with Chris Richards, uh, Matt Turner, and Lindsey Horan, all U.S. players that are all obviously based in Europe. Which is like one of the like like that famous like Oscars picture where there's like you know it's like Ellen and there's like the forty like celebrities all at the Oscars and it's like you know like eight trillion dollars worth of like box office in one picture. It was just, I don't know, it was a really cool kind of coming together of characters that we've come to love on TV, plus like uh, American football players, American soccer players, you know, real football players that we love uh, that are playing over there. And so it was just, it was just one of those heartwarming little fun photos. And then like the Ted Lasso guys all singing like Sweet Caroline, which I hate as a song, but for some reason when they do it, it seems so much better. Oh yeah. I mean, whatever, they can do no wrong. They literally can. They're infallible. Yes, definitely. So that was yeah. just a, a fun little thing to see uh, yesterday morning when I was watching the game in a in a weekend of very little, you know, fun fun stuff at the in the world level in soccer. Yeah, can I also throw in uh, just the commentary of that game? I mean, they they just try so hard to make those like British references. You know, like a guy makes makes a, a hard run up the middle, and he's like, "Well, I guess you put extra vinegar on his chips." <laughs> No, especially when there's like a 60 yard field goal, like right near the end of the game to tie it. And then almost another one to win it where, Oh, you know, just, just put one over the bar from the spot. Like, Oh yeah, dude, that's, it's so bad. Uh, but yeah, speaking of that, I mean, dude, that was almost two sixty yard field goals in one game. Uh, what was it? Lutt, Will Lutz, right? That was, I can't believe he hit the first one, but I guess his range is literally exactly 60 yards. Yeah. So something the British fans can, can appreciate. Oh, they well, like, dude, they like every time a ball gets kicked in one of those games, the crowd goes crazy. It's hilarious. Even like the kickoffs, it's like, fucking hilarious. They're like, oh, we just saw a ball get kicked. This is great. Like, <laughs> guy, like, guy catches like a nice 15 yard, like, outright on third and 12. They're like, oh, that was like, I guess that was interesting. Like, cool. That was, that was all right. Can they kick something now, please? Oh, punts. Yes. Great. Yes. Excellent. Yeah. Amazing. Love it. All right. Uh, yeah, Jared, that's going to do it for us. I'm going to go ahead and whistle full time. Uh, that does it for the podcast today uh, to you, Jared. Uh, I really appreciate your time and your insight uh, to the traveling supporters. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, and yeah, until next time. Bye-bye. <laughs> He's our striker, he's on fire. Ooh, hot, hotter than Mitrovic. Scoring goals home and away. He's playing for the ticks and he's on fire. Grand talk was a catastrophe. He just wouldn't go away. Oh, and then Will Drake turned it round. Cost us one million pound. Oh, I said we'll drink to it round, cost us one million pounds. Will Greg is on fire. Come on now. Will Greg is on fire.